Hello, sister friend. Welcome to 2024. It is the end of the first week. How are you doing? How are your holidays? How are you recovering? Are you back into the swing of things? I know at our house, we dealt with some sickness kind of as a bookend at the beginning and end of break. And boy, I feel like we are ready to get back into it next week. So here we are. I am so excited to tell you about some things that are coming up with the group here and prayer and how I believe it will radically transform and just it will prayer will infuse joy into your life and your family this year. So I can't wait to tell you more. Hey mama, welcome to Intimacy After Infidelity. Do you find yourself Googling, can a marriage survive infidelity? Or what's the first step to divorce? Do you wake up full of hope only to end the day with more shame when there's another stupid argument again? Hey, I'm Christina Joy, forgiven daughter of Jesus. I too felt the shame of infidelity and wished someone had a roadmap for how to get out of the mess so I could experience freedom. I kept telling myself I just needed to try harder to end the affair and fix my marriage until I found I needed Jesus to heal some deep wounds in my heart. Through prayer, lots of research, and developing new healthy habits, I was able to find healing to shed my shame once and for all. Now I'm excited to share everything I've learned with you. So find your safe space and pop in that earbud. Let's rebuild your life and marriage better than it's ever been. All right, so I told you there are some good things coming soon, and one of those is that I will be doing an online book study through the book Fervent by Priscilla Shire. Fervent is a book all about prayer and a woman's battle plan for serious, specific, and strategic prayer. She does not mess around. And so I wanted to walk through that with you as a community to say, let's fervently be praying for our own lives, for our marriages, for our families. So we are going to be doing that on Zoom on Tuesday evenings. And I will record it. I will have that available. It'll be live streamed to the Facebook group if you need to catch the replay later. But Tuesday nights on Zoom, find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram, send me an email, get a hold of me so that I can send you that Zoom link or tell you more about the days and times and what we will be doing. But with that being said, I wanted to talk today about prayer and three things that I am doing to keep prayer real. But before I do that, I wanted to ask the question, what what's going on? Is this just another book about prayer? There's a million of them out there. I can study the Bible and learn about prayer. What's going on here? We need a plan and a strategy. And I want to read a little bit from Priscilla Shire's book so that you hear what she has to say. You may have noticed the battles your enemy wages against you possess a personality to them an intimate knowledge of who you are and the precise pressure points that you can most easily be taken down. Is this a random accident or a lucky guess? I don't think so. These areas of greatest fear and anxiety in your life are clues 
to some important spiritual information. They reveal, among other things, that a personalized strategy has been insidiously put in place to destroy your vibrancy and render you defeated. These plans have been drawn up by someone who knows where you live, whom you love, knows your customary tendencies, and knows from long experience how best to exploit every single one of them. But I assume by your presence here, you're sick of that. I know I am. Sick of losing these daily battles. Sick of watching things deteriorate around me, as well as in the lives of those that I care about. But what I'm beginning to understand is that I can't just go barreling into this fight blindly. I can't just throw something up against the wall and hope it sticks. I need a plan, just as you need a plan, a strategy for war. Friend, we need a strategy. We can't go into this blindly. And I'm reminded even of Ephesians 6 that talks about our battle armor. And it says, put on God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. How often, myself included, do I come to prayer haphazardly, just willy-nilly, I'm going to sit down and talk to God about whatever's on my mind, and I kind of, you know, lollygag my way through it. But remember that in this spiritual warfare, there is plan and strategy. And not to make prayer all serious and boring and intimidating, but I'm calling us to something higher to say if we are desperate for real change and real transformation, then we need to get real serious about asking God for specific things. So why pray? Maybe you've tried prayer before and it never worked. Nothing ever happened. You know what? Why? Why go back to this? Well, I want to read one more paragraph from this book where she breaks down the difference of what Holy Spirit says and the lie that Satan tries to feed us. And I was, my jaw was on the floor after reading this. This is so powerful. Satan is a full-time accuser. And instead of convicting you for the purpose of restoration, like God's spirit does, he condemns you for the purpose of destroying and humiliating. Watch for it. Condemnation always leads to guilt-laden discouragement. Conviction, though painful in pointing out our wrongdoing, conviction encourages and lifts us, giving us hope to build on. Condemnation makes you focus on yourself. The other points you to the grace and empowering mercy of Christ. To hear the devil tell it, these weaknesses of yours are reason for nothing but wretched despair. Yet God says these weaknesses are reason for your purest worship and gratitude. Your need for God's grace is supposed to be a passion enhancer. But often, because we think that God just isn't answering us, God doesn't want to listen to us, 
our passion for perseverance seems like a silly, sentimental waste of time. So, sister, my question to you is, are you listening to Holy Spirit? Are you plugged in and are you saturating yourself with God's truth? Or is your mind getting swept up and confused with some of the lies from our enemy? So, one great starting point of prayer is to use an acronym. And there's a couple you may have heard of. One is the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. If you're wondering, how do I even begin to pray? Well, take this acronym and walk through each of the letters. In this case, A stands for adoration, adore God for who he is. C, confess, line yourself up with God's truth. And if there's any place in your life that you haven't been living that way and confess and turn your heart back to him. The T stands for give thanks, have thanksgiving and a grateful heart. And S is kind of an old word, supplication, but give God your requests. Tell him what it is that you need. Now, there's another acronym that Priscilla Shire uses in this book, Fervent, and she uses the acronym PRAY. So let me share that one with you. P stands for praise and gratitude. Again, who is God and what has he done in your life? And then R, repentance. Again, this idea of trusting him, turning your heart and walking in his way. A is ask. Be personal and specific with what you're asking God to do. And then why I love this one, stands for yes. Pray in God's yeses or pray God's promises back to him. All those moments where you read scripture and you hear, you want to say yes and amen. God, you promised that. Take it back to God in prayer. And that leads me into these three things that I do to keep prayer real. The first one is that I pray scripture back to God. I pray scriptures like uh, Jeremiah 29. It says, call on me, come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Okay, that's cool to read, but go back and pray that. Father, You said that when I pray, you listen. You said that when I seek you, I will find you. So God, I'm seeking you with all of my heart. Or another example from Ezekiel 36. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Friend, make that your prayer this year. God, you promised me a new heart. You promised that you would put a new spirit in me. I can't do that myself. God, you said you would remove this heart of stone. You would do heart surgery on me and you would give me a heart of flesh. I can't do that, God. When I'm dead, I'm dead. I can't do anything. So Father, do what you promised and renew my heart, revitalize it, and bring life back to it. Or one more example, because I want to pray this over you, from Ephesians chapter 1. 
Paul lays out a beautiful prayer that I love to pray over specific people. So Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse, it's down towards the bottom, uh, after verse 15. And I want to pray this over you, sister. And I, if I knew your specific name, I would say it exactly in here. Father, I pray for my sister, your name. And I'm praying for her constantly, asking God, you are the, the glorious father of Jesus Christ. Would you give her spiritual wisdom? Would you give her insight so that she would grow in her knowledge of you? And God, I pray that her heart would be flooded with light so that she would understand the confident hope that you have given her because you've called her. She is holy and she is rich and it has a glorious inheritance. God, I pray that she would understand the incredible greatness of your power because she believes in you. This power that raised Jesus from the dead and set him in heaven next to you. God, I pray that you would bless her and that you would help her to experience your love. Sister, do you see how all of those words were straight from scripture? Yes, I was using some of my own language, my voice, but I wasn't thinking of those words by myself. I was letting scripture guide me. And I think that is the first most powerful step to prayer. The second thing is that I journal a lot of my prayers. One of the reasons for this is that my thoughts can get very distracted. I have young kids in the house. I have a dog and two birds and a husband. And sometimes my thoughts get distracted with the mess or if there's noise or whatever. And so journaling helps me to stay on track. But it also helps me to organize my thoughts and mix my thoughts into the prayers. Also, I journal just for the simple fact that I want to remember. I want to remember these seasons, and I want to remember what did I ask God for, and how did he answer, and how did I grow throughout the different seasons. So if you can, journal. It's not the only way, but I think that it's beneficial. And finally, I pray in such a way that I can be raw and honest in this place where maybe I can't be so raw and honest in any other place. I give God my hard truth. I'm willing to say things in my prayer closet that I might not be ready to admit or confess anywhere else. Like, for example, I remember just being in shock when I had two people in a close span of time. They asked me the hard question, Christina, would you still want to be married? And that was a hard question to answer from truth, not just what is the good girl Christian supposed to answer. Or what if there was a day where I was missing my affair partner? There's a very, very limited number of people that I could talk about that with. 
but but I can take that to God, the full extent of my emotions. If I am missing someone, or if I am sad, or if I'm angry, or if I'm frustrated, emotions that are really hard for other people to handle. Sister, I promise you that God is big enough to handle your big emotions. So please sit with him with those. Be more real and honest with him than with anyone else in your life. He is safe and he is good and he loves you. So let him tend to your heart. So sister, with that, I pray, I do pray that this encourages you that this year you would strengthen your prayer life. And I really do want to invite you to follow along with our fervent book study as we not just learn about prayer, but we get the action steps, how to pray, what to pray for, and how to come with the passion and the power of a resurrected Jesus. How do we pray in his name? And how do we see the enemy's strategies fall before us? We are in a spiritual battle. We can't forget that. Satan is out to destroy your marriage and your family. So let's live in the truth that we know. We know that God gets the victory. But prayer is what begins to bring the kingdom of heaven down here to earth. So let's join together, encourage each other, pray for each other, and let's begin to see victories as a community of our marriages being restored in Jesus' name. Sister, I am praying for you. Reach out to me. Let's connect. And I will talk with you soon. Hey, Mama. I hope today's episode encouraged your heart. If you need to talk about this some more, would you send me a message at ChristinaJoyCoaching.com? Also, please take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It thrills my heart to know this podcast is helping you heal your heart so you can shed the shame of your affair. I am cheering for you, and I can't wait to hear your story. I'll meet you back here on Tuesdays and Thursdays for another episode. As always, be clothed with strength and dignity and laugh without fear of the future.